You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and on today's show, Lucky enough to be joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code ALOCKEDON. All caps, one word, and you can get 20% off your next order. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination. San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons. Doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. Now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Hope everyone had a great weekend. Welcome in to all of our first-time listeners. Really appreciate you guys checking out the show today. And as always, a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners checking back in with us again. Before we get started, if you don't already, make sure to go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's the fastest and easiest way to get the show. Today, we have a lot to talk about because it's Mock Draft Monday 3.0, and we're going to be getting into the two Chargers third-round picks that they have. The one that they just normally have for their draft position, the other compensatory pick they got from losing Phillip Rivers, the 77th and the 97th overall pick. So in the second segment, we'll be getting into the 77th, and then we'll wrap the show up with a couple of options for the Chargers at 97, based on what we know right now in this upcoming draft, because we don't know where these guys are all going to go yet. But that's why we wanted to you know, cast a wide net and look at a few different guys that could be options for the Chargers. But we're going to start the show with something that a lot of people have been talking about, and that is the Zach Ertz to the Chargers rumors. So not a ton of credible sourcing there, but we'll talk about if it would even make sense for the Chargers to even look into something like that. So let's go ahead and get into it. According to Sports Illustrated's Eagles Maven, a contact close to the former Pro Bowler Zach Ertz has indicated to Eagle Maven that the Los Angeles Chargers are interested in acquiring Zach Ertz. So this is very interesting because the Chargers obviously find themselves in a position where they have to make a decision on Hunter Henry because they could decide to franchise tag him, in which case they would owe him $12.7 million and he would be with the team till the end of the season. But Obviously, that is not the best way to try to get a deal done with someone in good faith because players do not like being on the franchise tag. Hunter Henry recently came out and, you know, talked about what he wants from a team in free agency and that stirred up its own kind of thing because he said he wanted a good quarterback. But I mean, he wasn't saying that Justin Herbert was a bad quarterback. But either way, David, just right now, as we see it, if the Chargers don't get Hunter Henry, the timelines would be a little bit weird on these things because... By the time that Hunter Henry hits unrestricted free agency, we might have already seen a move by Zach Ertz in the Eagles. But in any way, does it make sense for you for the Chargers to be interested, even though we know that if Tom Telesco wants something hidden, it's probably not going to get out? Yeah, I mean, it's hard pressed to believe that people really know what he's doing because we've tried to interpret what Tom Telesco is doing several times in the past. And pretty much every single time we were not even close. I mean, the guy is very secretive. He's very good at it. So I got to give him his credit for that, among other things. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it makes sense. I, I think the only reason, I don't, the only way it makes sense, honestly, is if the Chargers are already in their minds are going to say goodbye to Hunter Henry and that this is going to be kind of a stopgap situation. You look at Zach Ertz's numbers and, you know, throughout his career, they're pretty strong. I mean, in 2018, that was his best year. I mean, it was phenomenal. 116 receptions, over 1,100 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. But if you look at his career numbers, like even, you know, his, his catch percentage is only 67%. And, uh, you know, he does average about 80 catches a year, which which is pretty strong. But he's coming off of a pretty big down year, Daniel. And, you know, of course, the quarterback position and the inconsistency there from Carson Wentz towards the end there in Philly was probably a factor in that. That is something you have to take in consideration, especially because Ertz, Hunter and Henry are pretty similar, and Ertz is on the uh, other side of 30. Yeah, it would really only make sense to me if the Chargers were doing it in as a band-aid to you know not having Hunter Henry while still giving Justin Herbert a reliable target in the middle of the field. And yeah, I mean, that catch percentage dropping down to around 50% in 2020 was a little bit surprising. But with all the quarterback struggles that the Eagles had, I mean, I guess it does make a little bit of sense. And there's obviously bad blood there between Zach Ertz and the Eagles, but it would give them some financial flexibility because the Eagles would have to eat probably around half of the cap of Zacherts in 2020 and 2021. They're already, you know, taking a huge dead cap hit with Carson Wentz. So this season's kind of already out the window. So if they would franchise tag Hunter Henry, it'd be somewhere around, or it would be 12.7 million. You really only had to pay Zacherts around $4 million or something around that. The numbers aren't exactly sure at this point but you would have more flexibility for 2021 and the years after that by not giving you know a multi-year extension to try to help other places like the offensive line and things like that so John are you good at this point with giving Hunter Henry you know a four-year extension that's probably going to cost around 12 million dollars a year or would you rather you know let Henry go open up about eight million dollars in cap space potentially and then fill out other needs on the team and get a one-year rental like Zach Ertz? Well, it would have to come down to those two options, honestly, because I don't want franchise tag to really be an option for Hunter Henry. We either need to know that he's our guy of the future, lock him up, or we need to find, hurry up and find a way to move on, whether it's getting a one-year rental and hurt, or maybe there's a tight end that you might like in the later rounds of this draft, like maybe, for example, someone like Pratt Freermuth, who is a between two and four round tight end projection right now. So if he's in the third or fourth round area and you desperately need a tight end, you don't want to spend the first round pick on a guy that could be an option too. But I would much rather have Hunter Henry just because you already have the chemistry. You know what he is and it might cost you about 11 to 12 million a year, but I'm sure you can move the money around to make it help out for this year. So if you remember with the Travis Benjamin situation, they moved the money around so that, Travis could have all his money one year and then very little of it the next year when you cut him. I think you could do the same thing with Hunter Henry. Well, and also let's remember Hunter Henry is 25 years old and he's a pretty complete tight end. Uh, I'm not saying Zach Ertz is a bad blocker, but Hunter Henry, I think, is a much better blocker if we're comparing the two of them. So I think Hunter Henry is a more complete tight end. He doesn't have the separation. He doesn't get that much yards after catch. But uh, it's a little bit better surprising to, to me. Me and Daniel were talking before the show. I thought uh, Zach Ertz was able to get a little bit more yards after the catch, and he said, no, sir. <laughs> Daniel, uh, what was that percentage right there? Uh, I knew it was better, but that was something I did not expect. 
I mean, we all know that at this point, I mean, especially last season with the routes he was running, Hunter Henry was not known for his yards after the catch, but he did average 3.8 yards per catch after the catch, while Zach Ertz hasn't eclipsed the three-yard mark in the past three seasons. So it's neither one of their games, I mean, being that yards after the catch guy. If they were going to run the tight end system similar to they did last year, where they basically just used Hunter Henry on little hook and, you know, curl routes and stuff like that, then yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz is such a dependable receiver. He's so good at boxing other defenders out and finding spots and zones to sit down and be a possession type tight end. But I think that if you, it does come down to how confident you are in Hunter Henry, because yeah, Hunter Henry's 25, but even though Zach Ertz missed five games last season, last season was the only season he'd missed more than two games in any year, while we all know how many games that Hunter Henry has had to miss in his short career with the Chargers. So the health is definitely a big concern there. And I would understand why the Chargers could be a little bit hesitant to say, hey, here's four years, you know, $48 million. But the one thing, if they do extend it out over that period of time, you can mess with the numbers, you can raise the signing bonus, your cap hit for the 2021 season could still give you much more flexibility than the $12.7 million franchise tag. So I do think there's benefits to both things. I understand if they do franchise tag them just to keep them here, but that's going to make things a little bit tougher as far as trying to make some upgrades on the offensive line, making sure you're retaining all the free agents you have headed into unrestricted free agency and so much more. So there's a lot of things. And it might make it hard for Henry to want to resign too, because now you create bad blood like the Le'Veon Bell Steelers situation when they kept franchise tagging him and he wanted out Henry might be Mm -hmm. that same thing if you do it again it could be and I mean we've seen him you know franchise tag someone and then work out a deal like we saw with Melvin Ingram but it's not always the case and the thing is is if you do franchise tag him the one thing you get is another year for him to prove that he's you know something other than just a possession type tight end and a guy who can actually stay healthy for another year maybe that sells you a little bit more and maybe you know, you still have a good relationship with him to try to extend him. But a lot of factors there. It it makes more sense initially than I originally thought when I saw the report. I still don't think there's much to, you know, take from this because it's not a bunch of different NFL reporters saying this. It's basically just one person that's saying this. So I wouldn't put too much weight into it. It all could just be leveraging tactics and things like that as well to get Hunter Henry to come to the table and sign for maybe something a little bit less. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is Mock Draft Monday 3.0. So we're going to be getting into both of the Chargers third round picks and some options at both picks for the team. And we're going to get into pick number 77 coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Even if you don't love betting on sports, you could even bet on award shows, TV shows, reality TV. I mean, if you're looking... For some way to find some juice to put on something you're watching on television, you can do it at betonline.ag. And those are usually the wackiest, funnest bets to try to hit on anyways. But BetOnline has you covered on all the latest news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus. All you have to do is go to betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, and BetOnline is going to give you some free money to bet with with your 50% welcome bonus only at betonline.ag. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into our Mock Draft Monday 3.0, and there's not, you know, enough weeks to do one pick every week. So we are going to mix it up on some weeks. But for this week, I thought the Chargers have two third-round picks. We have two segments that we need to get filled, so it just made too much sense 
to do this today. And this is going to be a very pivotal role, I think, John, for the Chargers in this round at, you know, pick number 77 and the compensatory pick number 97 because the third round, you still should be able to find guys that can come in and be contributors early on in their career, depending on what position you're taking them. I mean, if you take a third round pick that's a quarterback, you're probably not going to get much out of that guy the first year. If it's an offensive lineman, it's a little sketchy because then you can get guys like Trey Pipkins. But if it's like a wide receiver or something like that that just fills a specific skill set, maybe they can get on the field earlier. But you can find productive players in this round. The Chargers have two picks in the third round this year. So when you were looking at guys for the Chargers at pick number 77, who were some of the guys that you liked? Well, during the year watching all the college football games, I made a list of guys that I wanted to look at when the season was over. And when I was doing this in round three, I saw Sean Wade, cornerback from Ohio State, was available. And that was a guy I had on my list. So I picked him. And after doing a lot of the research and after watching him all year, he really declined and didn't really have the same hold to his name, if you will. The previous two seasons, he was a slot corner and he did really well, really well. But when he moved to outside last year, he struggled mightily. He even struggled in big games like against Alabama. This is a guy who I'm not really happy with picking. So this is me saying do not do it, Chargers, unless you plan on getting rid of Chris Harris Jr. and making him your slot corner. There's no reason to get him. You need to find an outside corner. So I would say Sean Wade is not your guy. Yeah, and I think that's all part of the process too, right? Because it's all about picking names that you see either linked to the team or could make sense for the Chargers to take at a certain point in the draft. And you're not necessarily sure how you're going to feel about it after you watch those guys on tape so to give an alternate I think for that position at that same pick one of the guys that I've seen linked to the Chargers most recently by Brantley Weising is Keith Taylor Jr. which I liked seeing because this was a guy that really stood out to me at the senior bowl was making a lot of plays on the ball was getting really involved made a couple of really good tackles was playing pretty physical I mean there was a lot to like from him at the senior bowl When he turned on his film this year, I mean, the tackling wasn't something that was as consistent as it was during the week at the Senior Bowl, and I saw that. I mean, not a guy that doesn't like to tackle, because there's a difference. I mean, you can like to tackle and be a bad tackler, or be a guy that doesn't like to take on that contact. He's definitely the prior as far as that goes, but the ball skills are there. The recovery speed is there, obviously, to be, you know, have good recovery speed. You're getting beat sometimes, so that was an issue getting beat off the line, but for someone in the third round, To get somebody like that that flashed in the Pac-12 and also flashed at the Senior Bowl going up against some really speedy, really good wide receivers, that was a pick that I've seen out there linked to the Chargers that I would definitely like, especially if you haven't addressed cornerback already earlier on in the draft, and And that's the whole thing. And he's a tall corner, too. It's not often you find a 6'3 corner who's good and can keep up with guys and not get beat deep. That's usually the problem with the tall ones is they can't turn and accelerate as fast as the shorter guys can. So if you can find a tall corner, less chance of the ball going over his head on a deep route, which means you, he can give a little bit more space. So if, if you say a receiver has three yards of separation, usually you're wide open. But if a guy is that tall, you can reach up and make it a little bit harder to get that ball in. It's not as much separation anymore. When he did a really good job of getting his head around, the other thing is just he is going to attack your hands as you catch the ball. I mean, he is going to rake at your arms. He's going to try to do a lot of things just to separate that ball from you, even if you've made the catch. I mean, there was a lot of times I saw him in a good position. The receiver gets his hand on the ball, 
and then he gets his arm in there and knocks the ball free again. I mean, that happened a lot of times. He does not panic when the ball is in the air. And, yes, he does open up his hits a little bit late, and that's what happens usually with taller guys like that. And a lot of shoulder tackling. But I'd rather have a guy that wants to tackle and isn't doing it correctly than the guy that just doesn't want to tackle at all. Keith Taylor Jr. goes for some big hits at times, wants to be physical at times, but he's just inconsistent in the tackling department. But I do think that's something he could work on. David, when you were looking at the 77th overall pick, who was someone that stood out to you? Yeah, someone who stood out to me. I was a little bit surprised that he was available at this 77th pick uh, on the Draft Network's mock draft simulator that I used, which was Trey Smith, which uh, was the interior offensive lineman, the left guard out of Tennessee, the six foot four, 312-pounder. He started 12 games as a freshman at left tackle, so he has a little bit of versatility there. Um, he was a freshman All-American, All-SEC honors that year. But then he missed a year with blood clots in his lungs. And I think when you're considering bringing in Trey Smith, this is probably one of the biggest detractors is the medicals. You just have to be 100% comfortable that, you know, this is not that those blood clots have been completely eradicated and that there's no fear or potential for them to return. But when you put on the tape, man, there's a lot to like about Trey Smith. Uh, after him, after he uh, got healthy and went uh, went back to school, the Tennessee Volunteers had brought in a five-star recruit at left tackle, so they moved him to guard. And uh, at guard, he's a mauler. He is a uh, he's a, a guy who's going to run people over. He has immense power, good explosiveness, a strong punch, and he's a people mover. He gets people out of the way in pass protection. He's always looking for work. I mean, whether that's uh, you know keeping his eye, his head on a swivel. Uh, he does a great job uh, of uh, getting on double team blocks as well. Um, he plays a little stiff because he is a, a large human. Um, that's something that he needs to improve as well as the kind of needs to improve the, the knee bend as well. But, uh, I mean, in a phone booth, the, the guy's dominant. And you just love the way he pancakes guys and, and he really finishes plays. I just love that physicality that he brings to the position. And I think that he would be an outstanding addition to the offensive line. Just inject some youth some power and some explosiveness to an offensive line that desperately needs it. Yeah, he's a a massive guy. I mean, I saw him working mostly at guard at the senior bowl as well, and he was a guy that stood out to me. A guy that I've seen, you know, picked early in the second round, but can also fall to the third round depending on where you look at him. But when he's playing guard, I mean, just the physicality he plays with there, the size that he has at that position – if you were to fall to them there and you want to double down on the offensive line, because we've already talked about it, if the Chargers double dip on the offensive line in this draft class, we're not going to be upset about it because there's that many holes on the offensive line. But I think there's a lot worse ways you could go there. I mean, I think there are still some talented offensive linemen in the third round, and I'm going to get into one <laughs> in the next segment. But kind of going along with what John was saying, one of the guys, John, that I was looking forward to watching and it came away a little bit underwhelmed was Marlon Tuipulotu, a defensive lineman from USC, probably the second best defensive lineman that's going into the draft behind Jay Tufili, who's also on that USC defensive line. But he was just a guy that wasn't consistently enough a playmaker, wasn't consistently enough getting into the backfield. He definitely came along as a pass rusher his senior year, but right now it's hard to say that you could have him, you know, take him in the third round with the 77th overall pick and get a guy who's going to contribute early on. But could you do any worse than what you have now? That's the real question right now. Right now, it's about upgrading. Even if it's a slight upgrade, it's not looking for the next great guy. It's upgrading what you have right now. And eventually, you'll find 
you're great guys and i think this guy is an upgrade he has this really this attitude of trying to fight and get in and make a play or even just maintain a spot like if it's run if it's going after the run he knows how to get off the block and make the tackle after sitting there and holding the block and waiting to get off of it he can hold his ground and he's really feisty he's got like this motor i guess you could say that he uses that he just wants to get in there and wants to fight and we don't really have that on this team you look at guys like justin jones and those guys do they get they make some plays every now and then they get a push sure but do you ever see that like that fight or that motor to get in with the hands and the pushing grabbing you don't really see it that much i feel like this guy mentally is an upgrade and i think physically he's an upgrade yeah for sure and he's the guy that definitely showed some growth especially as a pass rusher going into the last year with the trojans and obviously they didn't play a lot of games so you didn't get the complete picture in 2020 but he definitely has some tools to work with i like that he came in a little bit more lean definitely seemed to help him and his hands never stopped moving going towards what you were saying i mean that is something i definitely noticed when watching his tape but just got washed out of gaps a little bit too easily for my liking and i know that these defensive linemen are going to have a lot of responsibility in the new Brandon Staley defense of winning these one-on-one matchups and being able to make plays in the running game. So I 100% agree that the Chargers need to add talent on the defensive line and find guys that can win those one-on-one matchups. It's just hard for me to say how soon he would be able to do it early on in his career, but the talent infusion is something I could definitely get behind. But we do have one more segment to get into because We still have to do the second part of our mock draft 3.0, getting into the Chargers 97th overall pick in this upcoming draft in the third round, the pick they got in compensation for losing Phillip Rivers. So we're going to get into a couple of options there, including one offensive lineman that likes to let his stomach hang out. We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bars. I've always told you guys to me, it has to taste good or I'm just not going to eat it. And that's easily my favorite part about Built Bars, including the fact that they just keep coming up with new flavors, new products to try, and I always am trying the newest flavors. And usually, if I get sent something that's a box of Built Bars and it's a new flavor, it's going to be something that's pretty delicious. So, I love Built Bars. You can get so many different varieties of flavors from mint brownie, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, chocolate, coconut almond. I mean, there's so many different ones to choose from. And they're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Right now, we can even save you guys some money on Built Bars, and I promise you, you won't regret it. All you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the final part of our Mock Draft Monday 3.0. A lot of good prospects in this draft, depending on what position you are looking at. I mean, I think it's a pretty deep offensive line draft i think there's some guys you can get in the middle rounds that are pretty damn good and are pretty good value i think there's some receivers and even some corners that are going to fall that have a chance to be pretty good at the nfl level but the 97th overall pick you're getting you know to the top 100 players in the draft and i think some guys will probably slip to the chargers that we don't expect them to take right now but david when you were looking at that spot specifically pick number 97 the chargers fourth pick but their second pick of the third round who do you want to talk about yeah, so I'm continuing to add to the big uglies. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I believe in building from the inside out. 
and so I feel like that should be a big fixture and a and a focal point of this draft. So I'm going to continue with that premise, but I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to Aleem McNeil, the interior defensive lineman from NC State. He's six foot two, three hundred and twenty pounds. He is a former linebacker and running back. Uh, he only has three years of experience at D-line, but he has really shown some good promise. He has a little bit of rawness with his technique and processing, uh, but he's extremely very powerful. He's very powerful. He is a very capable defender. He's very good at kind of controlling the line and resetting the line of scrimmage. He has very heavy hands, very physical hands. He has a lot of functional strength. This guy can uh, definitely hold at the point of attack, and he can push the pocket a little bit. Um, he wasn't asked to shoot gaps a whole lot, but he did show that he is capable of that. Um, he is uh, definitely is a little raw as a pass rusher. He uh, just doesn't have a lot of, of great moves there, and he doesn't really have a great plan, a- according to uh, some draft experts. So, um, I liked what I saw with him. I mean, I thought he was able to definitely uh, be a contributor right away against the run. He's like I said, he's very physical in that in that way. He's a guy that is strong enough to hold up against double teams, can even split double teams from time to time. So I think uh, this would be a good guy to add to the rotation on the defensive line to just inject some youth, inject some strength, and a guy that you can uh, you can work with. He's got some tools that you can enhance and uh, really train up and coach up, and I think you can really turn into a really solid player in the middle of a defensive line yeah it's gonna be hard to find a lot of interior guys with a lot of pass rushing upside at this point in the draft but john i know that you had a similar pick here that you had a guy from lsu that i was actually pretty surprised with when i watched the tape and another guy that when he's on was just absolutely ragdolling people yes so for my pick at number 97 one of the guys i had was tyler shelvin an inside defensive lineman from LSU. He uh, His stats aren't going to impress you a lot if you go look at him. They're nothing great. Right. He uh, missed out on last year as well. And the thing that I like about him is he draws double teams. He's like that Jamal Williams type that I've missed so long on this team. Jamal Williams draws so many double teams and still was effective. He's that same kind of guy. Not as effective, but that's something that you can grow with. That's something that you can teach a guy. But – he drew a lot of double teams, was very powerful, and could really move the offensive lines back. Even on some of those double teams, he was pushing guys back. So I saw one play, I forgot what team it was against, but he drew, took a double team and still drove him back two yards. And a guy like that is what this defense needs. If, especially if we might be running a 3-4, he would definitely be that nose tackle type of guy. But at the same time, this is a fourth-round pick, so he's going to have to also make plays to be – a success in the NFL but like I said that's a teaching moment yeah for sure I mean I especially given the stats and when you're doing a you know preliminary background check on these guys just seeing what they're able to do production wise when you see a guy like that it doesn't really stand out and obviously he opted out of the season so he didn't have a lot of chances to be super productive at the position but in 2020 obviously because he's just getting ready to get drafted this year but as far as you know, taking somebody with that kind of raw ability, I think when you're picking someone late in the third round like that, you're looking for some sort of raw ability, right? And then you're hoping you can coach them up because if you're getting a guy that just, you know, doesn't have the physical part of the game and isn't, you know, some sort of extraterrestrial athlete and they're already kind of, you know, maximizing their technique and all those things, the ceiling is only so high. So I definitely like the Chargers trying to figure out and fill some holes along the defensive line in this draft and just 
keep bringing in some talent to push some of these guys in the middle like Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery and try to find some guys that can actually be playmakers while the game is actually going on. But speaking of playmakers, one of the guys that I have for my third round pick, the 97th overall pick, is Quinn Mayners, the Wisconsin Whitewater Division three guard slash center who really stood out at the senior bowl. And that's such a cool thing for someone like him to, I mean, go to something like that, go up against giant competition and, you know, be one of the better offensive linemen in those one-on-ones. You weren't going to find many people playing better than Quinn Mayners, who was basically wearing a crop top. He was just out there, you know, showing it and <laughs> showing it off and letting everything hang out. But I mean, I went back and watched some of their games and even though it was smaller competition, it's what you wanted to see. I mean, he was just absolutely obliterating guys in the running game, just decleating guys. The biggest knock on him is always going to be the competition that he played against. But I did think he showed at the Senior Bowl that, hey, you know, that it's not a great sample size, but he can hang with those big guys. He can hang with some of the better pass rushers in this class. And he has that mean physical streak where he's going to pancake guys. He's going to play through the echo of the whistle, and it's just easy to get excited about something like, someone like that, David. Who did you have with your 97th overall pick? <clears throat> so another guy I was looking at uh, in the third round was Jabril Cox, who's a linebacker who has a great ability to to cover. Uh, if you're looking for guys like a Devin White or like a Levante David, like the Buccaneers had, the guys that can run and cover all over the football field, this is a comp that I like. Obviously not to that degree, but Jabril Cox, I know linebacker is not necessarily a need, just depending on the health of, of Drew Tranquil and, and guys in that room. But um, you know, if, he, if he's available, I just love the uh, uh, idea of adding more athleticism and more speed to the defense so if he is available at that pick I'm jumping all over and I'm skipping to the podium to go get Jabril Cox and maybe at that point you know you've handled some of the issues you have on the offensive line maybe you've hit on somebody at cornerback that you feel good and about good enough about having a linebacker because Brandon Staley especially talking with Chris Collinsworth didn't seem like he was very happy about the depth he had at linebacker with the Rams I could definitely see them adding some players to that position, and he was another guy that used the senior bowl to really stand out and looked like one of the best coverage linebackers that were out there. And, you know, as Brandon Staley said, you need some guys who are going to run. But, John, last thing, I will let you make an argument. You had the Chargers taking a safety with the 97th overall pick, and it's definitely some of your homerism showing. But I do think that safety is a bigger need for the Chargers than many people could think it is. Make the case for your safety with the 97th overall pick. Well, I'm known as the pessimist on this show, and I'm <laughs> always giving you what you need to hear, so I deserve my one homer moment here. But Tariq Thompson, San Diego State safety, I loved watching this guy. Really good playmaker, and he's a guy that loves to tackle. Rayshon Jenkins, a guy that's not that great at tackling. You can already see where I'm going with this. Um, he could probably play a little bit of, of a slot corner too if you needed to switch him out if Chris Harris gets hurt he could play that as well he could play in just about any defensive scheme really the Aztecs kind of switch things up every now and then and he would still play good no matter what kind of play they call where it was a blitz man coverage his own he could do it I would say one thing is um sometimes he can get caught cheating if he if you're playing against Tom Brady for example and Tom Brady does that little trick where he looks off the safety real quick and the safety bites and Brady just looks over and throws the touchdown. He might fall for that, but that's just a young guy trying to make a play. You can always teach that. But this is a guy that I think the Chargers could use if you were to get rid of Rayshon Jenkins and save yourself that predicted 
five million a year contract that we talked about on here and just get a young guy in the late rounds of the third, I think it would be a better pick for the team, both cap and talent-wise. And even at that point, I mean, depending on how you feel about Nazir Adderley, you'd still be thin at the position because I don't think any of us are sold on a Lohi Gilman being a starting safety at any point for this team. And we all know what Derwin James's injury history is, right? I mean, it's hard to have just, you know, two guys you feel good about going into the season at safety. So there's some other guys. Richie Grant is another safety I like, and he's probably going to be a little bit too rich for what the Chargers' biggest needs are. But especially if you get someone Pun like intended. John Johnson – you could afford to take some depth players to, you know, build the future at that position and depth at that position. But either way, I do think it is a bigger need just because, especially with the way Brandon Staley plays his defense, I mean, Derwin James might not even just be the true safety all the time, right? He could be that money backer. He could also be the star on the defense. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But I think safety and linebacker are two needs that you could definitely help out those positions in this upcoming draft, even if it doesn't seem like it's something at the top of the need list for the Chargers, but they're just going well, to have They still need to add talent to special teams, too. I mean, the, the special teams unit was terrible, so we need guys that are going to help on defense but also help improve that a special teams unit that was historically one of the worst in NFL history. Well, and as it stands right now, you're going to have nine draft picks on this team, right? I mean, I think there's a good chance it doesn't end up at nine exactly. I mean, we'll see what happens, but... That's going to be a lot of guys trying to make the roster. I mean, if you have six rookies, it's not out of the question for all six to make the roster. I mean, if there's nine rookies coming in, that's nine pretty good contracts. But they're going to be fighting with some probably, you know, talented undrafted free agents who are trying to make their mark as well. So special teams is going to play a huge role in that. But that's going to wrap things up for Mock Draft Monday 3.0. We'll be continuing to do draft coverage every Monday on the Locked On Chargers podcast, only focusing on who the Chargers are should be looking at or should be staying away from in the 2021 NFL draft. But that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Maybe we'll get into some voicemails tomorrow, but we'll have the latest with everything going on with the Chargers. And maybe we'll do some Twitter Tuesday as well. So if you guys check us out on Twitter at LockdownLAC, we might have a little post out there. You guys can ask us some questions if you want to, and we'll try to get this Twitter Tuesday thing started. But until then, if you don't already, make sure to also like the Facebook page at Lockdown Chargers and or give us a follow on our new Instagram page at Locked On Chargers and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Having it be a daily show, that's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. And if you guys would rate and review, we would really appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voicemails onto the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.